Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there. Craig Hoffman here. Logan, it feels like we haven't done this in a while because we did one literally every day last week. We actually uh, (laughs) able to enjoy the weekend. Didn't have to talk into a microphone. But this is a podcast that uh, certainly I have been looking forward to doing. I'm sure everybody. You've been uh, looking forward to it? I mean, you're, I'm, you're a sick we, man. we are on a search for answers. Uh, <laughs> when answers to the question of what the hell's going on out there? The old yeah. Vince Lombardi clip. Uh, you know, that that is kind of what I want to figure out is hopefully in the next 45 minutes on our tape review uh, show that we do every week here on take commands, like get a better understanding of what happened against the bears because a 40 to 20 loss against a team that had previously been pretty unanimously seen as the worst in football. Congratulations Broncos on taking over that title. Um, you know, is, is I would say unacceptable, uh, if you want to be who you want to be in terms of what the commanders want to be and figuring out what went wrong and ultimately fixing it is their job. But we can at least do the uh, what went wrong part, the diagnosis here on yeah. the show, and give a couple of ideas on what we think they may do uh, in terms of fixing it. So that's I'm yes, I'm excited yeah, to excited have a uh, to take a look under the hood. I got you. Yeah, I mean it, it was. Uh, yeah, man, excited is is uh, not what I'm feeling. It it just was like such a gross game. You know, I think like I think they would players probably feel the same way, and it's it's just one of those things that's so frustrating um, as a fan of the team to kind of watch and be like, Oh man, like I can't believe this happened or, or why did they do this or whatever? So yeah, we're going to get into it, but it is a, it is a, fr- it was a frustrating, frustrating game to revisit. I think there's a lot of like, to your point, kind of things that are very insightful about kind of revisiting the game, but yeah, man, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't very pretty. And, you know, I thought the offense played, you know, well in the second half, even that was a little bit, up and down in my opinion so it's got a lot, lot of stuff to talk about for sure so what what can i say logan i just love learning You're that's, just an that's, that's what this is about i just i just love learning learning about what went wrong okay uh so let's start with the defense because that has obviously yeah. been the point of discussion mostly over the last bunch of days um 
it, it, high level thoughts as we always start with before we dive into some of the plays and some of the details and, and ask some tough questions like if i say like hey what went wrong you yeah. know a guy comes up to you it's your son's hockey games like hey man what happened against the bears what's the what's the quick answer yeah what i would probably say to that guy that that ran like, leave me alone i'm trying to watch my guy yeah. my guy watch some, or play some, some hockey. hockey i would say that a little bit of everything went wrong and it's it's really hard when that's the answer but ultimately that's the truth like when i look at it i kind of say to myself um you know there's a little bit of everything like so I think there's this kind of – I had this notion when I left the game on uh, Thursday night that the defensive line didn't play very well, even in our recap pod that the defensive line didn't play very well. But when you when I was watching and I was counting the pressures, because I count them independently of like PFF, I just am like, that's a pressure, that's a win. And I go down and I was like, man, there's like a ton of pressure that the GD line was able to de- generate, specifically Chase Young. And then I go check the PFF numbers, and they're crazy good in terms of pressure. But it didn't feel that way. And then you kind of go back and you say on the explosive plays. So, you know, obviously the one that St. Juice gives up to more, um, you know, the one that Percy Butler's playing that cover to, there's no pressure. So it's like on the most impactful plays of the game, despite the D-line playing pretty good, like Montez Sweat had a really good game, very physical in the run, made some nice tackles for loss, great in pursuit, pain flashed quite a bit. Um, Chase, we like he was awesome in this game. Like, I don't know if he's always in the perfect gap and playing the correct technique. But in terms of creating, generating pressure on uh, number 75, a guy that we thought he'd be able to generate a ton of pressure on, he did a great job. And it just, it didn't kind of click with the back end. And I think that's the thing that's most frustrating, despite these great individual performances and really just general solid play from the defensive line in those moments where they needed to be very productive in terms of pass rush, they weren't. Now, again, Chicago deserves some credit for that because they've schemed up opportunities. So, for example, on the St. Juice one, which is a third nine, like they've got chip help. They're First drive, this, third nine, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're working. They've got chip help. Backs help in the left tackle. Titans help in the right tackle. They're, work, <clears throat> they're working the slide to pain. So there's a double team on pain. There's essentially a double team on sweat. And there's a double team on, on Montez. And so you'd say, you know, it'd be nice if John could win his one-on-one there. And I think something's going on with John. He looks a little bit tired. Some I, short week. He's an older player. Maybe something's going on there, but yeah, I, able- I've been wondering for a couple of weeks now, if that plantar fasciitis is either still bothering him in his foot or if the lack of conditioning from training camp, because he was not out there for the back yeah. half of training camp is affecting him in a major way. So yeah, I, I I'm hoping that over this, uh, this little mini by John Allen's feeling a lot better. And, you know, like they've got a new schedule now. EB's kind of running a more vigorous practice tempo, all those things have an effect and you know you have to talk to john about it but there are times where i'm like man like it'd be this is not the guy that we've come to know and love over the last couple of years he's playing he's playing fine it's just that dominant pass rush performance doesn't seem to be there so and, and again so good protection by them they understand where their weaknesses are they're playing man coverage st juice kind of does a good job at the line of scrimmage undercuts as 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 more stems to the inside edge of the numbers he's thinking dig he plays the dig it's a double move it's a big play over the top but there was no pass rush there and i think the same thing with the percy butler play on the touchdown it's percy's reading eyes he's aggressively reading eyes and one of the things is fields is perfectly statuesque in the pocket he looks down the middle it feels like for two seconds and then just switches his eyes late and throws the ball to more and so i can't i want to be mad at percy I want to be like, hey, man, what are you doing? But I know they coach those guys in cover two to read eyes. I know the weakness of the coverage is the Mike linebacker carrying the receiver up the middle of the field. All those things are true. Why is it a problem? Because the pass rush doesn't get home. 
But then there's other plays where the pass rush is amazing. So I think that was the thing that really stuck out to me. It's like when one when the D line was excellent, it th- those plays they don't they don't they don't become anything. You know, it's it's like one of those things where because it's a sack or it's a TFL or whatever, and it's just like oh that's another play for the defensive line. The bad plays, the rush didn't show up, and obviously Chicago deserves credit for that because they protected yeah. it well. But um, I think that was that was the biggest takeaway. It's like the, the that connection we're always talking about between the pass rush and the coverage just didn't Wasn't sync there. up, and despite yeah. the despite the rush being good, and by every metric you look at it, it was very good. And and I know that's really that's confounding for fans. Shoot, Craig, that was confounding for me. But yeah. when you watch every clip, you're like. This is good. I, I'm not going to give this a negative grade as a whole, but again, when you watch film, that's why the context is so important. In the biggest moments, it didn't show up, and I think that's the thing that was really frustrating about it. Yeah, it's good, good, good. Ah, uh, yeah, right. like that's that's what it is, and that's those plays. Uh, I won't make William work too hard to bleep a billion of of what I just <laughs> said, but like the the explosive plays kill you because they overcome the good stuff that right. you can do just like in the same way offensively like if you're in third and 19 but you hit a 40 yard gain like doesn't matter how you got in third and 19 anymore it's done right. it's over with you got the first down and possibly a touchdown like that's kind of the the issue here is that when you give up this many explosive plays it doesn't matter what you do on the other downs like it right. literally does not matter you can play perfect defense on first and second down you give up a big one on third down and your work is gone and right. that's why consistency is king on defense. And, and it's been a problem, I would say, so far this year. Yeah. And I think that there's a couple of schematic choices that we can examine of whether or not moving forward, they need to be tweaked to help out that consistency and specifically on third down. Um, Ron talked about it uh, on Monday, like when they went back and looked at the film and you know, the analytics, whatever analytics Ron is looking at, they're like, oh, yeah, third down is a is a big area where we could have been better on both sides of the ball. Sure. But on defense, it's like, OK, well, they've got third and long. Can we bring some blitz pressure so we know that there's not enough time to get the routes down the field? Yeah. Like th- those are the kinds of questions. Or, you know, if you've noticed they're they're using a bunch of chip help. Well, let's take those those guys and put them in one on ones uh, because we're bringing it bringing seven. Like yeah. if you trust your back end, which they seem like they did in this game because they played a ton of man coverage, then let's let's use some extra pressure and make Justin Fields think about where he's got to go with the ball a little bit more versus going like, oh, this is man. I've got time. Where's DJ Moore? Because, right. again, like at the end of the day and, 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 you know, whether they knew this would be the case going in or not, like no one would thought this kind of skew would be true. But three players caught passes from Justin Fields. That's yeah. it two tight ends and DJ Moore. And so and, eventually at some point in the game, like, do you make that adjustment of being like, okay, we got to make sure that we have extra help on DJ Moore. He's the only guy that's killing us. And like, those are the kinds of schematic things that it's a lot easier here on this Tuesday, six days at, or five days after the game with the benefit of tape and hindsight and, and analysis uh, or data, um, you know, all that kind of stuff to, to see. But also that is why these guys get paid a lot of money to try to, realize and make these things happen in games. And unfortunately that's, that's not what happened last Thursday. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that, again, schematically, that was a little bit confounding. And I think, you know, something I would have done, I think something Jack would have done is probably played a little bit less man. I just look at it, I'm like, man, they were in man so much. And you mentioned that only three receivers got passes. Mooney had an explosive play that was missed on the first play of the game. And then I want to say it was the third or fourth play of the next drive where it's a big out and he basically makes St. Juice fall down and they missed that one too. So despite the only three guys catching the football, there was many opportunities for more explosive plays, which is crazy to think about. So I just feel like um, probably I probably would have played a touch more zone or a touch more man match. If you're looking for a more aggressive zone coverage, maybe a little bit more man match just to kind of help those guys be in a little bit better position. And like you said, it was, it was surprising. We talked about, there are advantages to playing man coverage, especially if you think your personnel is better, but I don't, yeah, I don't think I was expecting you or I was expecting the volume of man coverage. And um, you know, that might've been a game plan specific thing. Like if you think your personnel is better, go for it. Let's run a lot of man. Let's be aggressive. Let's make him hold the football. Um, but if you're going to do that, the rush has to get home in a very specific way. And I just felt like not like we just talked about that didn't always um, execute the way I think people or I think the, the staff hoped, obviously. Yeah, I, I think that, too, that, again, like we've got the benefit of hindsight, but we did say this before, whatever, like, you know, apologists, this or you know, Monday morning quarterback that like it's just yeah. here's the analysis. Right. If I'm in that position as Jack Del Rio, I understand and i have a temptation to go our personnel is better let's man up let's let's get after it like let's set an an aggressive tone all of that but at the end of the day i look at what the weakness is of that opponent and i don't trust justin fields to consistently beat me in a bunch of cloud coverages like without explosive plays soft zone coverage and that's boring and it's it requires patience and, you know, guys like Emmanuel Forbes don't always have patience, as we'll talk about. Um, but, like, at the end of the day, I'm making them beat me with long drives. And not giving up explosives is my number one priority. And instead, they oh, even, if, even if their sound logic as to why they made the decision, they missed that key point with the, the strategy that they implemented. And I think that's the frustrating thing is, like, for, you know, do you see the forest through the trees kind of deal where it's like, okay, what's the number one thing? What's the easiest way we lose? Giving up explosive plays. Okay, so how do we mitigate that risk? To me, it'd be playing a lot more soft yeah. zone against a team that, you know, you are you have a big-armed, you know, super uh, twitchy quarterback, but he's not super consistent with his accuracy, although Fields deserves a lot of credit. Fields played a hell... Like, if we're doing yeah. this podcast for the Bears, we're, we're giving Justin Fields literally the best grade he's probably ever had in his entire career. Yeah. He was awesome. Like, the throw the throw to more to beat Kendall Fuller, like, that's insane. It's, yeah. so, it's so good. But I would have made him do that. And you talk about the explosives that he missed, and, like, that's kind of the thing, is he's going to miss a fair amount. How do you make him earn it time and time and time again and and they just the commanders just didn't do that on thursday 
you know, I think even even in certain situations, I think it was the third or fourth drive, you know, Forbes misses a tackle. And, like, yep. that's something if you're going to play, and I, I think they were in some version of man there, some version of match. So, again, not totally uh, in line with your point, but they – if you're going to play – if you're going to make them go length of the field, you got to make tackles. And that's true too. That, that was one of the most frustrating plays for me because it's like it's – it was third and ten. Just tackle the guy. It's It's second – it's third and two. And you're living a play another day, but you missed the tackle, ends up being an explosive play. They get points off that. And I just think like that was kind of the game for me. There was like St. Juice on the on the first explosive, I think is doing what he's supposed to do. It looks right to me. You're trusting the rush is going to get home. You're attacking the dig. Rush doesn't get there. Double move ends up being a big play. I think Percy's doing what he's supposed to do, but it ends up being a big play. Just do what you're supposed to do like consistently trust your teammates. And I think that was the thing with that Forbes play that was so frustrating because that's all in his control, in my opinion, just make that tackle and we're in a better spot. So, um, but I agree. I think your analysis is spot on. I think with the bears, you know, when you watch them against Denver, one of the things that stuck out is that they were able to find explosive plays uh, against that Denver defense. It wasn't super, super consistent or methodical. It was, you know, we're going to run a keeper and more is going to break, you know, we're going to kind of get this, you know, they're going to bust a coverage. Moore's going to be open. He's going to make it a 30-yard gain. We're more likely to score points. And I just felt like that was something that if I'm the commanders, I'm like, I'm going to avoid. I'm going to try to avoid that at all costs. So, again, they don't play a lot of – traditionally, they don't play a lot of true zone, the commanders, like this season mm-hmm. they don't. They, it's more matched. But there is a – they have coverages that have more of a zone element to it while it's being matchy and being very aggressive. And I think I probably would have leaned more into that stuff, I, I think. you know, And they might have been. It's really hard to tell, so I don't want to be making these right. declarations. But I, I think something a little bit more conservative probably would have been appropriate. And that being said, though, the touchdown comes in Tampa, too. Like, come on. Right. Like that, you don't get a more conservative coverage than that, honestly. So there was right. – um, so it's easy to be like, play more conservative, but the conservative stuff um, led to big plays, too, and, and not – I think less consistently than the man stuff, but that just to prove a point there. And I really think what it comes down to is kind of that point or that observation that Ron had is I think your defensive line is playing well, but what can you do to kind of shift the deck? It would be my question to help them in those situations, make sure they can generate pressure to ensure pressure on third and nine, because your coverage structure is, is relying on that pressure to come. And if it doesn't come from those front four guys, again, they're great. Like Chase Young, I think had like a 92 by PFF, which for people yeah, he did which 92 is, PFF uh, pass which is grade. an insane grade. Like that's like your your best in the NFL. Like yeah, in, PFF in, had him at a 11 total pressures, uh, one sack, three hits, seven hurries, one batted ball. Yeah, I mean, and it that show, I mean, and that's not just PFF because sometimes PFF they count like screens and weird stuff where they get free. He was excellent against that guy. But to ensure that you get that pressure when you got to have it, is there stuff we can do? Can we get to a three-man surface on a pass rush once in a while? You know, like they, they've been pretty good about getting to two threes, which helps John and Allen, um, you know, kind of ensure those one-on-ones. But can we get to an overload? Can we work a stunt? Like think about how all the stuff we see from our opponents in terms of um, finding ways to create one-on-ones on the defensive line and create pressures and simulating pressures. And I know they've done that. We saw them do it in training camp. It's just for whatever reason in the game, there's kind of this – this belief I want to say or confidence belief or confidence in your players to make plays when you got to make them. And I think as a coach, like one of your jobs is to make sure that you're getting the production you want when you need it. 
And so what can they do? I think that's very, very aware of Ron. I think that's the right approach is these guys are playing well, but we got to ensure that in these situations, we get the result we're looking for. And how do we make that happen? I think. Yeah. And, and so like the, the calculus there, just to go into it a little deeper, like sending blitzes means you have less players in coverage. 100%. And like, that is, that's the, the risk reward thing that Jack and Ron and, and that staff is, is placing. But as a quarterback, if you don't know where the pressure is coming from, like finding out where they're one short is hard oh. and it's got to happen quickly because the pressure is coming. And like, that's to me is a sacrifice that if you execute your blitz as well is well worth taking. And yeah. if it's going to potentially line up a chase young, a Montez sweat, a Duran Payne, a John Allen for a quick win, because they can no longer get double team. That's worth to me being one short or even two short at, in the right distances on the back end, right down a distance on the back end. Because if it's third and 14, for instance, like you don't have time to diagnose and throw a deep shot down the field unless you're like launching one lollipopped off your back foot. Right. Like there's not enough time to to have the plays develop downfield to take advantage of them being that shorthanded on the back end. Like that's that's the calculus. That's that sliding scale of time, resources dedicated to pressure versus coverage that you're making. And I, I think that there's opportunities moving forward for this team to be more aggressive on the pressure side of that calculus and unlock all this stuff we're talking about without putting yourself at risk for a back end that is struggling. Like it sounds counterintuitive because you're taking resources away from the back end that is struggling where you have a front that's actually playing perhaps better than people realize. But to actually achieve the goal, you're at, you're actually not hurting them. You're you're helping them because you make their job easier. And even to like simplify it even even more than that. Obviously, you're talking about bringing pressure, and that and that's important, right? Bringing five man rushes, six man rushes. That's a part of of bringing pressure. But I think I also think there's simpler ways and maybe less uh, ways that are less less risky that you could mm -hmm. also employ, right? I, we've talked about simulated pressure, and one of the things that teams have done to to the Commanders, like think about the stuff that the Bills did. They're not always bringing five men. They're bringing four men, but they're just kind of changing the pattern. And right. by changing the pattern and understanding the protection rules of the opponent, you're able to kind of maximize your rush opportunity. And you got to call it in the right situation. And the guys got to be smart. They got to say, oh, they this is how they set their slide. They set their slide to the passing strength and they set their slide away from the back. If you know that they're going to do that, I can ensure the two-man side. And again, this is a little bit different because – you know, Chicago, I think they understood where the commander's bread was buttered, and they did a really good job of making sure we got, um, you know, we got all these protectors in there. We got, you know, chip help. We got all this stuff going on. I think that's that's also important to kind of factor in. But the other thing that you see a lot, like if you look at the Cleveland Browns, for example, is can you get Chase Young matched up on a center? Can you get Montez Sweat in a more advantageous matchup? And those are things that do encourage more pressure but they're not incurring more risk in the back end. And you got to plan, you got to study, you got to game plan a little bit. But I do think that that is, um, that's something else. Like kind of in terms of a sliding scale of creating pressure, obviously you can go, everyone remembers that engage eight from Madden where you're blitzing eight guys right. and it looks all crazy. Or we can just kind of change the pattern of the rush up front, move guys around a little bit to ensure we're getting the matchups we want. Yeah, totally.